Welcome back, boys and girls. We are here once again with the Created Curious podcast. My guest, Jackson Ward. But first, I have to read the intro script. <laughs> no. um, on this show, uh, curiosity is key, and we love to explore life through uh, conversations with people who have diverse backgrounds, stories, and ideas like Jackson here, Jackson Ward, same last name as Caleb Ward. Yep. Last time on Tuesday, if y'all were tuned in, it was Caleb and Caleb, different last names. Now it's Ward and um, Ward, different first names. Yeah, but on, on the show, we believe that our the chief purpose of our lives is the glorification of God. And so, uh, therefore, the goal is of the show is to piece together a better understanding of how to live that in our everyday lives. And we love to dive down rabbit holes cool. uh, because I think most people are like, don't, don't get off the main subject. But I think the beauty Let's is go. in the details. Let's right? get weird. So, uh, Jackson, you are a Christian rapper. Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. An actor. Uh huh. You know, here and there. Yeah. You're starring in a film right now. Yes. Well, yeah, episodically. And then you're a, a leader in your church. Correct. Yeah. Not, uh, well, you know, yeah. here, here and there. Here and there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, man, thanks for coming on. This is gonna, I. Every time we talk, it's fun. Oh, yeah. And when we first met, you were outside of this, um, uh, it's basically a living quarters on Texas A&M's campus and you're doing evangelism with your church and, and uh, your life group and you have a speaker out there and you're putting on instrumental music and then you're rapping and I'm walking by mm. and <laughs> I'm like is this happening right now someone is rapping outside of uh, and I could, I don't know, the spirit calls the spirit, right? You you know when people are Christian for some reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm like, I could either walk past, but there's no way. I, I Like with my personality, I can let myself do that. Mm-hmm. And so then I walked up and we started freestyling together oh, after yeah. I listened to you for a bit. And then. Yeah, it was, it was God's timing for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The rest is history. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, definitely a cool beginning, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, definitely a pretty fire beginning when you ask everyone else that was there. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, the that that whole day was just nuts. You'd you'd be surprised how effective uh, freestyling <laughs> for evangelism can be. Yeah, uh, people love to hear about themselves, so you just rap about them. And then really, <laughs> yeah. what would you do? Like, what? well, it just starts with like, my, I got my buddy Hugo, you know, he's just uh. carrying around the speaker and, um, I'm like, dude, look at those people. They're asking for it. <laughs> and, and we walk up and I'm like, yo, what's up? Y- y- y'all like rap? <laughs> and I got this big sign that says, ask me about rap. And they're like, sure. Let I'm asking you about it. I'm like, okay, uh, what do you want to know? Like what style? And then like, I'll try and do whatever style or whatever and then i'll ask them about themselves and i'll compile all of those things about that person into a freestyle eventually leading into my advertisement for my church but, right but the the most fun part is definitely getting to know the person even you know i wouldn't say i would say most of them weren't very interested you know in christianity or anything but just like 
having some other way to get people to open up and just be happy to like just make people happy and like want to talk to you like it's yeah. it's, it's it's great it's a great feeling yeah are you uh, so I, I imagine that kind of plants a seed in people's hearts though is like this is not an everyday thing that i experience exactly and that was kind of where the idea came from right so we all just it we were all writing our own uh like questions to ask people or mm. to hold on our signs and i was like man i could be like you know ask me about anything or ask me about church or ask me about coffee and it's like that's what everybody else is doing what is something that people would never consider me to be a christian talking about my church right now and so um yeah i had rap come to mind and it just made sense I, i i came from houston so I've lived among rap for the last like five, six years. And so actually I knew a lot as well as like enjoy doing yeah. it. Yeah. So you went from, I think you have a similar story of me and we might have to spit a flow on here sometime <laughs> in this. <laughs> I was thinking about that earlier. Me I was too. like, it might have to me happen. Um, but you started in, in secular rap. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I uh, lived in Kingwood, which is just a suburb of Houston for my high school uh, years. And in high school, I did the classic, like, how do you call it besides burned out, (laughs) burned out high school kid. But I was, um, you know, so I was like doing drugs and all that stuff, drinking and stuff. But like most of what me and my friend group did was uh, make rap music Mm. and like worry about how we dress and then <laughs> sure. s- smoke weed. So, but, um, when it came to like rap music, actually a lot of my, uh, a lot of my friend group was doing shows in Houston, in mm-hmm. downtown Houston. So like I would be on stage and stuff with them and, um, I never released enough music to ever get to that point. And it was mostly because like, I just didn't take it. I didn't take myself seriously. So I was like, whatever, but I just was having fun with them having fun. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they, I still have some friends who that is what they do. Like they haven't left Houston, you know, and they're still trying to make it. Um, Mm. and if you know a guy named Trevor Daniel, Mm. he's actually a guy who went to my school and, um, I met him at a party. I was already a fan of him. Um, but now he's like blown up uh worldwide for mm. sure he he has this song called falling um and if you heard it you know it it's like one of those kind of songs um and he's helping one of my old friends from high school actually continue to make music and they moved to LA i think um but he he's you know he's getting there but he's 100% not found god yeah you know and i would say that for just about all the friends i had in high school and a lot of those friends um, including him, I haven't talked to in a long time. I, and I, I lost those friends because I wasn't, you know, I was glad to continue being their friends, but as soon as I stopped doing those things, mm. you know, there really wasn't the kind of same glue holding it together, so to speak. They were confused. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, you could say like Christianity is kind of a great unifier um and then it brings people from all different backgrounds and all different um like even you know futures so like interests you might be a completely different person but still find a friend in Mm. through christ but you know as sad as it sounds like 
drugs kind of have a similar effect you know mm. maybe we really didn't have any in common but we just couldn't even like think about that you know what i mean yeah um it didn't matter y'all your, yeah. your goal was the same mm-hmm. we to were, have fun and s- smoke just, weed yeah exactly mm. um and so, so in some ways christianity is very divisive <laughs> yeah yeah you could say that and that that it was kind of it puts what pushed me away but i would say it wasn't the fact that i became christian it was the fact that i cared about them now it's the fact <laughs> that i legitimately wanted to like you know get to know them for a person <laughs> that was like like a Weird scary thought mm. yeah and i would i would have agree, uh, have agreed you know that was something that i personally didn't like to do you know mm. i was i was a person that kind of went after the just the just the fun of the moment versus any kind of deepness in a conversation yeah that's what i was thinking because we were talking in a conversation before like part of your personality is like fun 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 like Mm -hmm. whatever you can spend time on you know yeah and that differs from mine because like i can't find it fun if i don't find purpose in it Mm. or like there's an objective uh, to to what I do because like like you I think you're a type of person that would like do things for the enjoyment and for like that everyday moment and then I'm someone that will do things that are the same but for the goal of having an enriched life yeah you know so it's some, kind of different kind motivation of, yeah some kind of like tangible success coming from it versus just the like on a whim yeah just doing it just to do it well it's like i think about things in term of like my time you know i think time's very valuable mm-hmm. and uh and so i'm like i want to make my time worth spending you know spent and so mm-hmm. like if you're doing just sitting on the couch all day that's a bad way to spend it but if you're around people you don't want to be around that's almost worse than just being on the couch you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> yeah um, so this actually goes into a question I, I wanted to talk about with you. Do you think, you know, you're talking about your friends, uh, your old friends still grinding and to, to become and make it, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, in the music industry, would you say there is a way to find purpose without Jesus? Yeah. And that was definitely the issue that I came to find was something that you hear all the time um but it's impossible to believe until you reach that point where it's Mm. like uh you know money doesn't buy happiness and success isn't what you think it is you know people who are powerful or rich or successful don't have fulfillment like Mm. they thought they would you know maybe they have it at some extent and you hear it and you don't believe it though you don't believe (laughs) it until you reach that point you know it's like there's just no way you're literally like just lying you know but or you think well it's way better than this right now Mm -hmm. or something yeah you you just think about a life without problems right Mm -hmm. and how you know if you get enough money or you get enough recognition those problems like don't have to be there anymore Mm -hmm. um but it's just not true you know and when it comes to these people that have money that have power um it it becomes a problem within itself like to no longer have an idea of how to 
find purpose because it's like i have everything why why does why am i still not fulfilled right and so it just becomes even more like intense mm. desire for something and you can't get anything yeah you know yeah i actually forgot to go do this opening verse but i think this is a good time for it because it kind of plays into this because this is um talking about suffering and it's first peter four thirteen, and it says uh it says dear friends don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange was happening to you <laughs> like he's like don't be surprised as if something strange was happening you know this was coming mm. Uh, instead be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have a one, have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all of the world. And so we like go through these things, these trials, this refining place in our hearts so that when, you know, finally the glory of God is revealed and, and, and we are glorified along with it as Christ followers that, that we will be full of joy. Mm-hmm. And then, so my pastor last night, it was crazy. This book, it's a daily devotional. Uh, it's my utmost for my highest by Oswald Chambers. It's like a really famous old school devotional from the early uh, 20th century. Wow. And uh, he was born in like 1878 or something like that. And so... the old guy. Yeah. So he was about... I think he was... Uh, I don't know how old he was when he, when he wrote this. But um, I was just praying for like clarity and an answer last night during this worship. And I, I see these ants crawling. <laughs> uh, we're, at the, we're at the amphitheater. Okay. Uh, Wolfpin yeah. Creek. And I just open my eyes for a second. I see these ants crawling and then I kind of crouch down and start looking at them and they're going through this little crack. And I kind of imagined this crack as <laughs> this, crack, yeah. this, this, uh, this little, yeah. Uh, as the Barton Creek Greenbelt in Austin. And I started to imagine myself as the ant going down some of these trails that I love to go down. Hmm. And I just started thinking about, like our life journey and how the biblical authors speak of God as being real, physical in creation, right? God the Father and him dwelling in the heavens and describes part of his parts of his body and things like that. The angels are are flying millions of angels around his foot or something like that, you know? And so in God, knowing God's character is super important of how we go about our lives and go about knowing we have hope and purpose. And so God is personal. And so he's gazing down in this physical way. Like I'm looking at these little ants and then I see this little like piece of grass that was like kind of looked like a, a piece of wood that if like if you scaled it up to where like I was the ant on the green belt and then I moved it so that the ants could come through. And I was just thinking, like, gosh, like if we just saw reality in that light, that God has his personal hand there. Like, the ants had no idea I was there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not concerned with that. They don't even, there's no way for them to even know that I'm there in, in some ways until, like, I put my hand there and I start interacting. 
And I was just thinking if we saw life more like that, like we really believed that God was moving things and coordinating our lives so that we may go through experiences to ultimately refine our hearts and our being because he knows us so well. He knows what we need to go through mm-hmm. so that we may become the fullness of being that he created us to be. And if we knew that, then I think experiences would still be hard because they need to be for us to learn. But we would have more hope and more joy throughout those hard experiences. Mm. And so uh, I'm just praying all these things. And and our pastor, Eli, gives me this devotional after I told him that story. And I won't share it, but uh, the the one for November 4th, which is yesterday, uh, just had the exact answer I prayed for. Like, I was just like, yeah. this is literally the exact thing I was praying for, which nice. is weird. Nice. And, um, but this one is about First um, Peter here. And it says, if you are going to be used by God, he will take you through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for you at all. They are meant to make you useful in his hand. And to enable you to understand what transpires in the other souls, you will never be surprised at what you come across. Hmm. Which is crazy. But is that kind of the prayer that goes with it? It's just Well, that's just his uh this guy's commentary mm-hmm. on uh on that kind of verse and like the daily um kind of devotional that he gets out of it but the biggest thing for me it was like um was just you know if we're going to be used by god like if we're going to let god use us if we're serious about this walk right Mm -hmm. he will take us through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for us at all (laughs) (laughs) but they are meant to make us useful in his hands right that's crazy that that reminds me of actually something that uh, a, a roommate of mine mm-hmm. mentioned at a retreat that we had just recently. We, we have a retreat every year called SQUA, which stands for uh, Spiritual Challenge Weekend. Mm. So this should be pronounced like SQUA, but it's not. So, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but he had spoken in front, and he said he says it. You know, self-proclaimed terrible public speaker, but <laughs> through the through Christ, like he's able to do it. And right. Um, so he's like starts with that, but. His message was about being led by the Spirit mm. or being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, Holy Spirit is a very uh, underrated kind of part of the Trinity. Mm. You know, the Father, we we can understand because everybody has a dad. You know, Jesus, we can understand because he was human. Right. But the Holy Spirit is something that it's kind of harder for us as humans to wrap our heads around and understand you know, what he does for us or what it does for us and mm-hmm. how and how it affects our lives, you know, in day to day. But one thing he mentioned was um, that the Holy Spirit kind of what we picture, what is often pictured when you think of someone who's like living in the spirit is kind of being in a really good season or like on fire mm-hmm. for God and just feeling like in in touch with like God's heart and stuff and like, oh, just like pouring <laughs> out love. But the truth is, you know, the being led by the spirit isn't always leading to what we would consider joy. Mm. Sometimes the Holy being led by the spirit and truly, truly trying to tap into it and understand what God's heart wants for us can mean doing something that's really difficult. 
mm-hmm. or doing something that we wouldn't normally choose to do. Um, and it, it affected me specifically because I had just, uh, and, and it had been really hard for me to do, but I'd been talking to this girl and I knew like almost from the start that we weren't like correct for each other. Right. Mm. And, um, but just the idea of not being lonely or just kind of being wanted mm. was enough for me to just like keep hanging on, even though I, I felt it like all we're going to do is like hurt each other. Right. Like there's just too much brokenness in me and too much brokenness in her. And like, it's, it, it's just not what God wants right now. But even, you know, when God tells me this, like, as soon as she shows any kind of interest, I'm, I'm going to deny it. Right. <laughs> I'm going to deny what he asks me are to you, do. Are you almost like, uh, well, how do I know that's actually God? Yeah. You know, how do I know? And it, what had happened? Okay. I'll, I'll get a little bit into okay. it. Um, if I may. Yeah. So she, um, we, she was having a lot of issues and she told me that she was going to have a lot of like, she's kind of going through a depressive, depressive state as I was at the time. And just don't worry about like, if I don't respond for a while, like, Mm. and so like she wasn't responding for like days at a time, you know, stuff like that. And it was like really hurting me. It was like, because I would say that probably number one, number one, worst thing to me is being ignored. Being ignored Mm. is really, really tough for me. And even though, you know, she said these things, it was still very painful, you know, feeling like I wasn't interesting enough to like be replied to, you know, Mm. um, but eventually, like, I just was like, it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I just was like praying. I, I finally like prayed to God. I was like, God, like, what should I do? Like, I'm going to follow your spirit. I'm going to listen to you right now. And right after I prayed that, like I texted her, I think we should just be friends. And I told her, like, I really want to reconnect with God. And I just feel like, um, like he had asked me, like, mm that this isn't like what needs to be happening right now. And I'm really sorry and everything. As soon as I say these things immediately starts replying massive messages talking about how, Oh, I was like getting really excited to like start dating and stuff like that. Like, I, you know, I, here I was thinking like, Oh, you know, you're such a great guy. And then you're going to come and tell me this. And she's mm. not a Christian woman. Oh, um, and, um, is this a recent thing? This was probably three months ago. Okay. Maybe, well, okay, probably like six months ago. Okay. Um, and uh, as soon as I get all this, I, I'm like, my heart's like, she she is interested. Right. You know, she does like, she she cares about me. Mm-hmm. And I immediately like, turned my back on God's word, like right there. I was like, all right, I'm sorry, you know. And I tried to, and then like come two days later, like she's barely saying anything again. And it goes mm-hmm. right back to nothing. And she said, eventually um it's so bad eventually it's so bad that i just i'm like all right it's time and just drop communication and um she never like responds back until like two months later <laughs> um oh my God. and she's like hey how are you and i'm like who is this <laughs> she's like oof you deleted my number i was like yeah uh <laughs> Uh, and I was like, Oh crap. I know who this is. <laughs> um, and, uh, from there I told her, you know, how much it hurt me, like just 
her lack of interest and miscommunication. And she was also like, you know, kind of spiteful in a lot of ways, but it was mainly what it seemed like to me at least was just kind of like a lack of growth in a lot of areas. Right. Um, just that comes from yeah, like really digging down and like looking at yourself from other people's perspectives and, and learning empathy, learning love, you know, and so it's not like something I blamed her for, but it, I just knew that this was already wrong. And, I, and then I started talking to her again. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. And finally, like I talk with my roommates and, and I, I already told, I told her like, you know, like I, I care. She thought I did. When I said that those things that God had told me, like she thought I was just making up an excuse. Right. Um, and I told her like, I, I legitimately cared about you. Like I cared so much that I like denied God's word. And I don't know what else could be like a more powerful statement mm. in my life. And she's like, okay, I can see it from like your perspective. That makes sense. Um, so like the, she didn't have a, a love for God or connection with no. God. And, but she knew I was super like, as, as she would say, religious, religious. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And I had told her, like, I, you know, I care about my relationship with God. And, like, she wasn't, like, closed off to the idea either. But I was, like, in that was, like, tricking my brain. You know, I was telling myself, you know, well, you know, if not me, someone has to invite her into the love of Christ. So why not me? But it's, like, it's all a lie. Yeah. You know, it's it just it's just me trying to come up with another excuse to to make to f- make this thing fit. And that was always a problem I had. Yeah. Back in high school with the relationships was just trying to force things, mm. you know, to, to, to work, but they, it's not meant to. Well, it's a lot of times we, we have the answers in, in the Bible <laughs> and we just don't know them well enough. We haven't read them well enough to like catch it. And like, that's why I think, you know, so many grandmas and pastors like, sow the word <laughs> on your heart. You know, it's like, it's so true though, because there's, many scriptures are talking about being unequally yoked hmm. which is you know I, yeah, I've, I've the the two bulls right on, with the with the wooden yoke connected to each other hmm. and if one was smaller and one was big then you just have one drag another person along or other yeah. bull along and that's so it's it's this um metaphor for for they say do not be unequally yoked with a non-believer hmm. because it's like the temptation is oh well i can change this person and it's i'd say like maybe sometimes that happens once in a blue moon i don't know but like but 99 percent of the time and (laughs) and i already say like already like one of my convictions and beliefs is like we don't change people we can't Mm. right and me believing that was already a lie and specifically me saying I should do it was me just trying to convince myself and feeling pride in that. Um, so let's talk about that, like check in your spirit. Was there, you know, you finally got to this point. You're like, this is not good. This mm-hmm. is not healthy. Well, see, right before I, I, we went to school and I heard that message. I finally was with my roommates and I said, like, I'm just going to tell her, like, I'm not ready to like be friends. Like she was saying she just wanted to be friends and everything. Mm. But I was like, no, nah, I don't, I don't think we should. I'm sorry. And she's like, uh, why, you know, yeah. over and over and over, like what, 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 what? And I legitimately couldn't come up with a reasonable answer to that. It was just, like, I believe like 
we're gonna hurt each other or um fall back on like you know whatever it might be it's just not this is just not what we should be doing i'm sorry and i'm sorry i'm confusing because i don't have the right (laughs) answer and i'm doing something that i don't want to do i did not want to do that but Mm. but uh and, and and for a few days after that like ending that potential relationship was like something I was like really like fighting with. Mm. Um, just thinking like, man, you know, this is, I started to believe like, this is why girls don't like me. I'm confusing. You know, as soon as a girl likes me, I push her away. All these like really like personal attacks. Um, and then I hear that message. Like sometimes the Holy spirit leads us to do something we don't want to do. And like, that was, this, I was like following the spirit in that moment. Mm. So do you, do you feel like why you got the conviction that it was wrong was that you were like, you were talking about when you would message and you wouldn't get this reply that you would just be like, yeah, it was just cause like anger and anxiety. And, and is that because you weren't relying on God? I was relying on her for validation Mm -hmm. first and foremost, right? Just the idea of being wanted and it not being fulfilled it was like too much and and for me to care so much and be so um either the words fixated or obsessed could even come into play it just shows i already was coming from a bad place right and 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 this idea that i was gonna you know lead her to christ or whatever it might be that this can that this will just work itself out (laughs) as soon as we start dating, you know, but it like, we hadn't even started dating and it was already yeah. like so difficult, but it's the, and I, and I immediately knew like you can just kind of feel whenever it's like not the one or not right. Whatever's happening is not right. So and how have you learned to like listen to that more and be more in tune with that? I think that's actually something, um, that I've always been pretty, uh, I've always been pretty in tuned too, just because I am like an emotional creature first and foremost. Um, and so like kind of feeling things is kind of uh, as a guide is, is a big thing for me. And it, and it, and it comes from, so I, I think the best way to describe it, especially in a like Christian way is thinking of being asked to worship in spirit and truth. I'm a very spirit first person, mm-hmm. right? And that is dangerous in its own aspect because, you know, it might not always be right. And I need to back check it with truth. Right. But for the most part, you know, discernment and, um, you know, uh, emotional connection are some of like my spiritual gifts. And I just, Mm. I can really feel things like that. Um, So, you know, like when someone has good intentions or bad intentions and things like that. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And, um, and people yeah. are like, oh, well, like uh, uh, a non-believer would be like, oh, well, you're just, pick, you know, subconsciously picking up on, you know, this. But I think like even, you know, one thing I think even in science we need to study more is this like non-physical connection between people. Mm. Because even like there's I, I think it maybe it's the unseen realm right that the that paul talks about and and that's talked about in the bible so much that the spiritual warfare around us this like we're not at war with flesh and blood enemies like we're not at war with each other 
but the rulers and the principalities and the powers mm. in these unseen realms like there's these ebb and flow battles going on between people's hearts and intentions and and the the demonic or the holy influences behind those mm. and you can feel it moving if you're in tune with that and it's amazing and it's real and there's something there and i'm right there with you as far as being able to feel that and see that and being an emotional person um what do you have any like examples or stories of like times where that was really apparent to you being able to just kind of feel the right yeah. direction yeah um yeah i think it starts also with the fact that growing up i was like a, a big liar mm. um and really yeah just all around um you know and that can come with the territory with drinking and drugs in high school you lie to your parents every single day of your life and that was one yeah. thing but if you don't mind me bringing it up, I mean, I remember you mentioning it kind of started in elementary school. Yeah, it runs all the way back to where, as a kid, I was shy, I was emotional, and I was anxious. I had anxiety all the way from, like, first grade. And when I moved to Texas, I couldn't make a friend if I tried because I would just hide and cry and mm. run away and literally, like, you know, I was I was a sad little kid from, like, until, like, fourth grade. And then over fifth grade, I decided to stop. I right. reinvented myself. And I I think that's where I started to disconnect. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still have a lot of trouble with connection um, and allowing myself to like be loved. Um, and so around fifth grade on, you know, I changed my hair and I got contacts and I became the funny guy. <laughs> you know, I created an identity for myself. And from, and you know, from there I made friends and I, like fit myself into certain categories and just became who, who I thought was cool. And even, you know, when I was in relationships and I was in a relationship from fifth grade to first year of college. Um, wow. I, well not continuously, yeah. but I would never go more than like six months of, um, singleness. Never. Mm. So girl to girl to girl. To yes, girl. exactly. Um, and each one ended, so easily for me the only few that didn't end easily for me was when like they break up with me and um and because then because then i'm no longer in control but mm -hmm. for every single other one than that it was like i you know i, I couldn't have even cared you know you 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 think you like me but you never even saw me uh. you know um, and, th and that, that continued into high school. Um, and th these kind of creations of mine started to break down around junior year when I, I, for the, like, I can't really think of a time when I just was like, you know what? I think it was rapping that started it, but I was like, I'm just going to do something that I like, like want to do and know isn't cool. And I joined acting. <laughs> <laughs> I finally went back to acting. I had done acting back in like sixth grade a little bit and stopped after seventh grade. And then I finally went back to it and like went really deep into it. And yeah, why is that? Why is it so weird to do theater, but like so cool to be like a Hollywood actor? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And you're, <laughs> and you're, I'm always like, how do you think they started it? <laughs> But, um, except McConaughey, he just kind of, oh, well, he's, you know, he's always been cool probably, 
but <laughs> yeah yeah um and i understand it because theater kids are well you know theater kids are effing weird <laughs> um it, it, it's because of a lot of different things mainly we are all closer than we ever should be because we are forced into situations that the average person would never right. be uh, presented to. So we end up kissing everyone that's in theater. We end up, you know, being part of a family with everyone in theater. Like, you know, this person might be your mom or your dad, you know, next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you end up developing relationships that are weirdly close and mm. um, pretty gross too. Because there was also a lot of like sex that happened mm. in, among theater kids. And so... I can understand the theater kids looking weird from the outside because yeah. they were weird. Yeah. They were a little too overt. And I think above all, they were allowed to show that they were weird. Mm. And I, th and that is where I was like excited about <laughs> because I'm weird, you know, and now yeah. I'm not as afraid to show that. But I think a lot of times, like just to break, I want you to continue, but just to go to this little note is I think a lot of times through something like acting or, like even music a lot of times it can be a spiritual gateway mm. to like bad spirits mm. really taking over and so that's probably a big reason why because theater is very like embrace you know sensuality embrace the art you know yeah and i think the devil loves that you know he's like oh yeah we're gonna get you to mess it's up very or, true it's yeah. very true and with theater it, it kind of a lot of the people in theater if not all of them struggle with some kind of anxiety or depression and the often the reason you join theater and you have a talent for it is because you've gone through acting like i did from fifth grade on acting like another person oh. right so you've developed a, a keen sense for what people are doing right and how to emulate those things and so that's kind of where um, acting started with me was like, I, I had a natural talent for it because I already was lying a lot. I already pretended to be something else, you know. And you were understanding and watching people so that you, you're like, okay, so how do I be liked, mm -hmm. right? If I'm not liked. And constantly judging myself as well. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to judge I judged everybody else, you know, I judged them on every little action and I, I would be able to take note of it and, and like, you know, kind of create characters from these notes that I had of, of what people were, what makes up like a personality and what's wrong, what's right and that kind of thing, mm. at least socially wrong and right. Right. I think I have the, had the same tendency, but luckily I like, re I received the Holy Spirit at three years old. <laughs> Yeah, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and just like, it, which is weird because like uh, for for a while it, it's confusing. Do you remember that? I yeah, I remember everything since I was three. That's crazy. Like or even before that, a little bit before that. It's weird. No way. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's like, there's no way because <laughs> most of the time, how it works is you'll hear stories mm -hmm. about, and you may have had a little memory of it, but then you'll hear the story, and then you'll start to create the imagery in your mind mm. based upon the story and then that becomes you your can memory. create a memory yeah yeah that's not the case here <laughs> okay. like <laughs> i can i can tell you details about uh so you've met jacks england have you I don't think um 
that's who Ryan thought you were. Whenever oh. he messaged, he's like, I've heard about you or whatever. Yeah. He, he, I've known him since he was zero. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I could explain that later. But anyways, he lived right next door to me whenever, uh, in our, our first houses. And I can remember the layout of his house. That's wild. You can't like tell that in a story. Like nobody's telling you that in a story. I remember what the layout was. Like I could walk you through it. I could draw it. Um, but yeah, like I don't remember anything. <laughs> I literally have the worst memory. Dude, and it's a it's it's a blessing if you embrace the peace of God, right? Mm. Cuz if you don't, it will literally eat you up cuz you remember everything that you experience. You remember like some people don't remember things from 3 days ago, yeah. you know? Um and you have to get good at releasing those things on your heart to God and like bad things you have to submit to the lord then they don't go anywhere they don't so, go they yeah. don't just and so many people that was a big problem for me is like so many people just forget mm-hmm. it's like how do you why like and and so it's hard for me to understand being someone that remembered everything yeah experiential wise like i'm dyslexic so uh like studying note cards bro i'm not gonna remember that but if we have an experience, we had a conversation, we did something, I can recreate that story. Mm. But I think I had that same tendency of you of like, I was very quiet um, all the way through elementary school, very creative, but I had the Holy Spirit on my side. So it was this constant check of like, you know who you are, you know who you are, you know who you are. Mm. And then in third grade, I remember I didn't cuss. Or no, this was fourth grade. I hadn't, I had never cussed before, and at least purposely. And uh, my friend Chris Radpay and this girl Elizabeth Saventi, and I think one other person was there by the bike racks, and they found out that I had never cussed before. Okay. And they convinced me to cuss, like they peer pressured me into cussing, and I remember the dark, deep feeling in my chest after I did it really yeah i was like this is the worst thing i've ever done <laughs> you so know because i i went against the spirit of god that i had been led by mm. purposely for the first time oh yeah so that kind of began deep yeah. conviction mm-hmm. and i just remember like dang why am i not the one you know getting and in elementary school we think we're so big like we we just think why am i like like, and I always had crushes on girls, right? Why am I not the one, like, being able to talk? Why are they all so easily talk talk to people or talk to the girls? And it was just because I was observant, quiet. I had a lot of things in my mind. But uh, there was a moment where I'm like, not anymore. I'm going to start being the talkative one. I'm going to start doing this. And I just learned it. Yeah. yeah. I learned it. But I think uh, I think there was always this part of me that was like, you're unique you're this and it was that spirit of god just speaking that identity to where i couldn't ignore that and Mm -hmm. so even if i would venture in to this place of like trying to be someone else i'll get slapped right back into who i was every time and that was this continuous pattern it really has been you know i think that's for a lot of us when we're led by the holy spirit is this continuous pattern of like we're going we're going we're going we're led we're led and then we're like hmm and then boom we get hit back but we learn so much from from this experience until 
our lives are are more calibrated by this thing until we start to understand the Holy Spirit in a way that is truth, that is led by truth, spirit and truth. When we start to take this thing seriously, we start to take our relationship with God seriously and we say, okay, if you're the God of the universe, if you're this thing in me that is giving me guidance, then I need to give you the time of day. And Mm -hmm. when you start giving them the time of day more, it's less of going off the path and more of just encountering the roadblocks of the enemy and other people in your lives or just maybe you know the best way is not even to describe them as roadblocks but just experiences that the lord may or may not lead you into or probably does lead you into that allows you to grow and be more refined but you're still walking towards the lord yeah yeah um I see, I see myself in that a lot um except for technically you could say you know I had the I had done the prayer f- to bring to to make Jesus you know the owner of my life when I was like 7 sure but um my parents were very on off christian kind of base I had a lot of instability as a child um my dad was a meth addict mm. when I was a kid um and both parents working pretty much constantly until, I mean, forever. Literally, yeah. like, it's always been like that. So I was home Do you alone think that almost all the time. caused some of the identity issues there? I think it definitely bred in me a fear of, of loneliness and being ignored. I mm-hmm. think those are pretty big stems from that. And so do you feel like that fear kind of actualized itself? through you actually being alone and lonely not being able to connect with people because you're like so afraid of it that you just like assume it's going to happen yeah yeah i i, I would say that I, I i definitely still feel it all the time yeah. and um yeah my dad also struggles with anxiety and depression and stuff and so it's almost kind of runs in the family in that way yeah um i do want to venture into that topic but mm-hmm. continue with your story i don't know exactly where you left left off yeah, I, I I didn't really either. <laughs> yeah. what, what what was the what was what was the context? I can't I can't quite recall. Um, we were still in theater. Um, we were talking oh, about yes. how you were. Um, you kind of went into that odd theater group. Yeah, um, and kind of found acceptance there, and were kind of right. embracing your weirdness. Yeah, yeah, and that was in popularity wise a bad move mm. um <laughs> i i could feel you know i don't know i could feel myself being taken less seriously by uh like my friends who i came to found find out after high school i was considered part of the popular group mm. um something about sometimes you don't know that yeah i didn't <laughs> i didn't know yeah um and i think it's also a matter of perspective see right we, <laughs> we well especially me i I really disliked like the jocks and mm. you know what I consider to be the popular kids. We would still show up to the parties and stuff, but we'd be like, oh, you know, not even taking <laughs> it seriously and all that kind of stuff. Um, be all sarcastic and, but yeah, uh, I would notice like you know, and this is a horrible like kind of metric to use, but I would be like, oh, like the attractiveness of my girlfriends are like going down, <laughs> like things like that. And really like, yeah because it was like um but but looking back uh it was mainly because everybody else was getting taller throughout high school and i was still the same 
<laughs> it wasn't really changing much. Um, and I'll, yeah, it was, it was obvious that my, uh, I was too invested. No longer was I cool and disinterested in everything. I now had something I actually cared about, which was um, acting. Mm. It was something I stayed after school for. You know, I'd be at like every single night till midnight for a week, you know, and I would go to competitions for and stuff. And that wasn't cool, you know, um, and I didn't have sports. You know, I, I tried every sport as a kid and I sucked at all. Of them, so, <laughs> But yeah, acting was something I, I felt good at. I enjoyed doing. And that was like my popularity downfall and the yeah. downfall of kind of my defense mechanism that had been up for years against my anxiety and depression was me finally allowing myself to actually care about something. Mm. Yeah. And th so that was... So, I, I started having panic attacks in oh. high school. I, I had serious, yeah, anxiety and depression. Um, and I still do. Um, but like, yeah, panic attacks. Uh, I remember one time um, my parents, and this was probably senior year, I actually disassociated. Uh, hmm. My parents were like fighting or something. And I was just like sitting in the living room. And I, and I like have anxiety to where I can't do something. So... They would ask me to do the same thing like over and over and I would think about doing it and I would want to do it and I just couldn't do it and I couldn't come up with a reason why. I literally just did not know why I couldn't do it. Hmm. Um, I just had to keep distracting myself um, from everything and eventually like my dad like lifted me by my shirt and like threw me outside and was like screaming at me and stuff. My mom didn't even want to talk to me and I like I was like trying to like tell them like how I'm feeling and like how things are really difficult for me. And I just like built up and I just like, you know, and then I, I just drove, I just drove to a park nearby and just like was sobbing in my car for like 30, 45 minutes, just like trying to regain control of myself. Cause I was just like losing my mind. I come back and they see me walk up and I, and I, I'm, I'm like, my heart like wants for them to like come and like hug me and like love uh. me. But the first thing they say is like, so where you been? You've been smoking, your eyes are red, you know? And because that was another big thing that drove a wedge between us was like my drug use and they, and they'd caught me in it multiple times throughout high school. Um, and I just, I like, I lost it. I like flipped the coffee table and I, I went upstairs to my bedroom and I like, I was like sobbing and stuff. And then I just like shut down and I was mm -hmm. literally just like laying in my bed, eyes forward. Um, and my dad walks in and he sits at this chair that's like at the foot of my bed and he's like he's like about to like give me a lesson and like you know talking down to me and stuff and i i mean he i was just answering like yes yes i know i i, I was like stuck in this weird voice and, and and no emotion was coming out of me i was just like robotic um and he was like just stop being weird you know <laughs> can you <laughs> And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and he was like getting angry. And then like, I, he like started to like calm down. And my dad, my dad has his issues, but like when it comes down to it, he is like a good Christian man. And he's been like strong for me in like a lot of different ways, like over the years. And he like finally came down and was like, you know, like we love you and want to be here for you and everything. And I started to like 
kind of like vision like reorient itself and i was like coming back to normal but it was legitimately like i felt i I didn't feel like i was there Mm. it was almost like looking at a, a screen um so that i you know my eyes were the screen i was inside here and i was just looking at my body on the outside just doing things mm. and sorry i took no, myself away good. from the mic you're good, bro. Uh, <laughs> and um but yeah I, I you know and he told me like you know we really need to get you on some anxiety uh some depressive medicines um like he takes and um yeah i dealt with really what you would think are like strange struggles um, and kind of like things that took over my mind. For one, I felt like I needed to be famous. It was like Mm -hmm. a requirement of mine. Um, And if I didn't get fame, you know, I, I meant nothing, right? That's the way to earn respect um, is by being famous. And so felt like I needed to be famous and felt like I could never reach that goal. I struggled with what I called at the time cognitive dissonance because I believed one, that I was a horrible human being. Um, and at the same time, 100% narcissistic. So like looking in the mirror, constantly judging myself, fixing, you know, how I look for like an hour and hating how and hating everything about what I'm looking at the entire time and hating how narcissistic I was. So I was like, I love myself and hate myself at the same time. Um, and so that like, didn't make sense to me in my mind. It just felt like my brain was like splitting in two. And this is the kind of mental state I was in coming into college. Uh, I was just so, so broken. And, and I broke up with my girlfriend of like a year over text. Um, for just about nothing (laughs) it was literally like right before the summer before i leave for college it was like one i'm gonna go to college i'm gonna meet chicks so like i can't be dating you (laughs) two uh she said something about like marriage and like that's not gonna happen so (laughs) and i was like yeah and then three we had just been recently i don't see if i can say this just recently been caught having sex at a public park by the cops Mm. and she, it was like two in the morning and I was 18. She was 16 and the cop just sent me away and called her parents. Her parents had to come pick her up from the park like two in the morning. And her parents said we couldn't see each other anymore. And I just told her like, you know, with these, these things, I didn't mention the chicks at college. (laughs) 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 So with these things, uh, I just don't see a reason for us to keep dating. Like it's just, and she's like, Jackson, don't do this. Like what? This is so out of nowhere. And it was, mm-hmm. but like, I, I can't have connections, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know what that was, let alone want it, you know? Um, and so, and in acting, it gets deeper. I, we were in a play together where I had a kissing scene with this other girl named, uh, I'm not gonna say her name, this other girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, my girlfriend at the time was her understudy, so, which means she had to watch every single practice, every t- every single scene. We would practice that scene a lot because the director would be like, all right, do it again. We want the kiss like longer, five seconds, you know? And she would be like digging her fingernails in her the palms of her hands watching this. 
and um yeah that must be tough it it was very hard for her and i was like oh, i was just acting just acting but like we would like me and this girl in order to develop this relationship with our characters would like do character work and like look in each other's eyes for like 30 minutes and stuff like that and um no bueno really not good <laughs> stuff and it was really bad and the truth was i was developing feelings for her and i just wouldn't tell her that and then i broke up with her and immediately went started going for this girl this girl also ended up ghosting me could sense my desperation could sense that i was not in a good place mentally whatsoever and ghosted me really bad i wrote a song about it <laughs> and then um we were supposed to like meet up to watch a play back in kingwood it's like two hours away I drive down there. She's not answering my text. My car breaks down and I get stuck in Kingwood with no one to save me. Um, no one else was available at the time. And I'm, I, I just, I just lost it. And that's when I came back. Uh, I, my dad drove like an, an hour and a half to like come find me and like help me get out of that situation. And um, when I finally came back, there was this guy who was working with me at uh, my job at Habitat Restore. Uh, and he had been inviting me to something called home group for a while. And finally I was in such a horrible place that I was like, if anything, you know, I'm, I at the time believed that there was at least something, you know, I wasn't atheist or agnostic. I believe that, you know, a God makes sense to me, Yeah, but that's it. And I thought at least I'm going to get some free therapy and <laughs> So I went to home group. It was just some like weird gathering of people, 7.30 on a weekday at somebody's apartment in like dim lighting. <laughs> <laughs> and and I walk in, I was like, all right, well, I guess this is what this kind of thing looks like. So whatever. Um, and I tell them the story about that girl, about going to meet her and like being ghosted by her and just being completely broken about it. Um, and they were like surprised that, that I you opened spoke up. at all. <laughs> yeah, they were saying that was like so strange. But yeah, it's when I walked in there, the reason I kept coming, the reason I sit here today talking about God, believing God is the love of my life is because when I walked in that room, I felt something I'd never felt before. And that is being utterly loved without having to earn it. I never, I, I didn't, you know, I might've gotten that before, but I didn't know what it felt like. And that was what, that was what would happen. They, they loved me already just for existing, mm. you know, even like, I couldn't even say that it was just like, just pure love was generated. You know, even if I didn't exist and they had just heard of me, they would have loved me. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just, it was just such a powerful movement that like it's, it became something I like dedicated my life to was like love perfectly love without thinking love without ulterior motives, love, love exactly in that moment as they need it when they need it. Right. No hesitation, no second thought. No, no, it's, it's perfect love because it's exactly what they need right there. Um, and it's inhuman. It's not actually possible. It's an inhuman emotion. But when you tap into the love of God, you can understand it, at least for like moments. Like, this is what God wants, and I just want to love you like this. And so that's like, 
kind of been my driving force ever since is like my my biggest thing for me is is god's love that is what like drives me to him every time um a a, a really good a really good uh image that i like give people when i explain just how important it is to me is the idea of how much jesus loved us when we hated him Mm. right he was we were stabbing him in the back and he turns around he says i love you you know and that is like the kind of love that we we don't know we require Mm. but we require Mm. so he was defending us as we're crucifying him defending us to god mm-hmm. he said they, they do they know not what they do and it, it's it's that love that that is what made jesus jesus mm-hmm. was his perfect love he loved exactly as that person needed exactly in that moment without any second thought mm-hmm. without any hesitation mm-hmm. so it's uh we were talking about this at small group it's like we are <laughs> disgusting enough or or sent like just filled with so much death right as humankind that we needed a savior right we we were so unworthy Mm -hmm. that we needed a savior yet we had a savior that loved us so much that he was willing to die for those that were so unworthy yeah exactly it's i mean this is makes no sense it's like batman (laughs) (laughs) we we needed a savior but we definitely didn't deserve a savior Mm. and yet he came anyway you know out of genuine love which is not like batman but (laughs) (laughs) dude so uh man how since then what has changed Mm. for you in your heart in your mind personality yeah I, uh, well, I would say I have reached a lot of conclusions in Mm. difficult locations of my life. Um, for example, and I feel like because of the nature of my being, which is spirituality and an ability to listen to God, um, my spiritual healing was actually fairly quick, um, in a lot of areas of my life for what I had gone through. And I would say probably the strongest one was the reconciliation with my family. Um, I blamed my family for a lot more than I thought I did. Um, me and my parents' relationship was just so strained in a lot of different ways. Um, and I, I genuinely didn't know if they loved me. Um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't genuinely know if anybody loved me. So... It was it was something that like I didn't think about a lot because I was I would distract myself from thinking about it. But I me and my parents were just horrible to each other. Um me to them for sure. When do you think that started? Uh probably I mean probably back in middle school. Um you know, whenever you just and I wasn't mean to them, right? I just didn't just didn't care. Mm. Um, so like if they, if they wanted to like talk to me or anything, I wouldn't be like, shut up or anything. I'd be like, yeah, oh, you know, you know, but if they like asked me to do something, be like, yeah, whatever. And if they told me not to do something, be like, yeah, whatever. It's in all honesty, like their opinions didn't apply to me. You didn't respect them. Yeah. And, and they, 
I felt like they didn't respect me either. So it's like, yeah, whatever. And I didn't, but that's the thing is I did, I was like that with everything. I didn't care about things. Mm. Um, and yeah, over throughout high school, they, they would find like pipes and my clothes would stink and stuff like that. And, um, there's all kinds of stories there about like, we had a Christmas that me and my entire extended family spent in a lot in a huge cabin up in the mountains of Colorado. And it was literally like all my aunts and uncles, grandparents, my parents, brothers, sisters, cousins, everybody. And my brother was living in Colorado at the time. And this was probably freshman year, sophomore year. And my brother brings marijuana to the cabin and there's a huge blizzard outside. Mm. Everybody's asleep. And so he's like, Hey, come over here. We can try and we try and smoke it out the window. And it literally the smell gets into the entire house, wakes every person up. <laughs> it's literally like two in the morning. Every person in, in the whole cabin is woken up by this smell. And my dad comes down. Everybody's like freaking out. My I, I'm like I jump in a bunk bed and pretend I was asleep <laughs> and my dad yanks me out and holds me up by my neck to a one of the bunk beds and was like did you smoke and I was like Mm-mm. and he, he was like slaps me it's like did you smoke like, and then um finally I was like yes he's like and he throws me in the ground try it again you little you know and uh they, my parents get in the car, they take me and my brother and they drive us down the mountain and they drop my brother off at a Walmart, um, to sleep there. And they're like, you're not staying with us tonight. And gosh, yeah. Um, and I'm like kind of like dozing off in the back seat. They just keep driving around. They keep yelling at me to wake up. They wouldn't, they, they said, you're not going to sleep. And so I, I got to stay in the car but they wouldn't let me sleep. And the next day was like Christmas and mm. I had to go to uh, an AA meeting with my dad, actually. Um, yeah, I went with him and, and my cousin and um, he says, this is when I learned kind of the uh, long-term effects of short-term drug addiction can do. And he told me that just about every time that he comes back here, you know, we were in my old hometown, Denver, and he, he told me just about every time he finds an AA meeting to go to. So he was already planning on going. Mm. Um, but he brought me along, you know, talk with his uh, his old sponsor and stuff. But, yeah, it's one of the reasons we left Colorado. It's because just being in Texas or just being in Colorado can, like, show him a lot of triggers. Mm. And it's, like, hard for him. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that was really, really hard night. It was really hard to see just disappointment on your entire family. Right. And my mom turns around and says, you guys, you ruined Christmas. Like, this is all everyone's going to think about. Mm. Um, and so there was all kinds of moments like that growing up. You know, I'd disappear and they wouldn't know where I was, you know, run away, mm. that kind of thing. So. And, and so obviously, like, it doesn't have to happen that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're a parent, you don't have to react in that way. There's ways that you can react led by the spirit, but a lot of people have experiences like that mm. just because of this lack. Like we, we, we live without God. We live in a place of depravity. Mm. 
we try to rationalize things. We try to wrap our head around things that we'll never understand because we feel the weight of this fallen world and have no hope. <laughs> and uh, and so a lot of us get in the experiences. So thank you for like, just sharing that because it's that's it's tough. What I, what I want to know is like how what process did God take you through to kind of reconcile those experiences because like you know ideally you have parents that are graceful and understanding and want to hear you and and see you but but if the the spirit isn't there Mm -hmm. then it's impossible for that to happen that applies to every human yeah you know so that kind of reconciliation that kind of strong like deep heart reconciliation you know a lot of people can say, you know, I forgive you or mm. I still love you. It's okay. But it's not the same as understanding one another and forgiving everything. Um, and kind of, kind of coming to a point where you're one heart again. It's like a way I can mm. put it. And I, I it, it starts with me, you know, deciding to tar, ta- deciding to take Christ into my life uh, after joining home group and everything. And I went on, and this is probably one of the strongest stories I have. Uh, it's a big part of my testimony. Um, but I went on a three-month leadership training in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, it's called LT, Leadership Training. Mm. And... It's through my church. You go and you live in the Rocky Mountains at the YMCA, which is like a huge resort of the Y. And you live on grounds, you eat on grounds, and you work there. So you don't have to pay for housing or food as long as you're working there. It's, it's awesome. And then there's like four, there's like four uh, uh, services like a week. So lots of God, lots of learning that happened. Lots of loving and lots of beauty everywhere. And I am fairly new believer. It was like the same year that I joined home group. Um, and it was like the best experience of my life. And I, I, I felt myself so much stronger than I'd ever felt in my life. And midway through, um, something happens where I'm at like a thrift store down at Estes Park, which is like the town that's right next to it. And I get a phone call from my mom and she it says, Jackson, like, can I talk to you for just a second? I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm buying a windbreaker. And <laughs> she says, uh, Jackson, I am calling to just let you know that um, me and your dad are not doing well and we've not doing well for a long time. Mm. Your dad, my dad had started a job as a travel nurse just a year or two before and he was currently in Baltimore on a three-month um, stint uh, at a hospital over there she said that your dad has been in a really serious depression for the last year um, he's in Baltimore right now and we haven't really been talking very much uh, and he started drinking again he hadn't drank in like 15 years hmm. um, 
And yeah, uh, we actually are planning on putting the house on the market. They just bought their forever home um, that they were like fixing up. It was on a lake. It's beautiful. Wow. And this was in Colorado? Uh, the lake or, house? No, it's it, uh, Lake Livingston. Okay. Yeah. This was like 2018. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, they really like just bought it and they were putting so much good work into it. And it was like their project together. And she was saying, yeah, we're like planning on putting the house on the market and your dad's going to live at your grandma's for a little while. And we're not sure like if we're going to move back in together. And this was, I mean, as much as such a small event compared to the world can be, it was earth shattering to me, you know, because I had only ever seen them as like together. Right. They were like a perfect relationship. They didn't really show their problems that much. Mm. And they were really, they were really good at hiding it from me. Um, and so I was, I was just like, just dumbfounded, just at a loss. I didn't know what to do. And while at LT, you have your own kind of home group there. And I told them and I, you know, I was crying and I just was like turning to God and, and ask God, you know, what do I do? You know, tapping into that sense of knowing that I had come to understand over the last, you know, few months. And the only thing that I could think to do, the only thing I could feel the spirit leading me to do was invite him out to LT. Mm. Um, and I didn't think he was going to even go for it. <laughs> I mean, it was cu- quite a drive. Yeah. Um, but I invite him out and he finally makes plans to come see me. He said he would have like come with mom, but like she couldn't. And so it was just him and his little Tesla driving up the mountain. Nice. <laughs> and uh, just sleeping in <laughs> while it's driving itself. Oh, not. Oh, oh, yeah. I misspoke. Not a Tesla. Okay. Freaking. <laughs> uh, but like pretty much. What is that a car that's also electric, but not oh, uh, cool? <laughs> Prius. Prius. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little less cool. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. Good good mileage. No, he had great mileage. <laughs> He's like, I filled up like three times. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. Um, he comes up and uh, it was very, very scary because I was working at the time in a dining hall. And he walks in the dining hall, you know, has me on the phone trying to find me. He walks in the dining hall and sees me and... Uh, I was like, yeah, I'll be there. So I go and hug him. And the first thing he does is he just starts to sob on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard my dad cry. I might have seen him tear, but I've never heard him just cry like that. You know, so genuinely sad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, at this point, you know, all the other people from the dining hall had like walked out because um, it was like between times. It was like yeah. a closing time. And um, I was like, dad, I'm like, I like love you. You know, and, he's, and I don't want, you know, I almost lost you before and talking about his addiction. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't want to go through that again. And he told me, you know, one of the big reasons, one of the big reasons I'm still here is you. Mm. Cause I, I knew that this, de- knowing his depression, like I know mine, I knew if it went any further, not only would he lose my mom, but he would lose his life. He, he would probably kill himself. And, um, from there, uh, we go and rent a room at the Y, and I'm just trying to cheer him up. I'm showing him around. I can already tell it's really hard for him to 
even talk to me mm. um probably been avoiding any kind of social any kind of honest conversation and but i started to think of it and it was like god you're so powerful mm. you did and you pulled the old switcheroo you made it to where i <laughs> was strong for my dad mm. you know any other time in my life if, if this had happened i would have never known what to do i would have broken down as much as they would have mm. but because of where i was in my journey with christ i was is the perfect timing for me to be there for my dad like he's always been there for me right um we spend the night uh he's there for a couple nights and he says that he's just being out there he, he felt more peace than he'd felt in a really long time mm. and we went on a hike together and uh, I took him up to this place called the Lake of Glass. It's a beautiful, beautiful place, beautiful like waterfall you climb and stuff. Um, and during that trip, just about everything comes out on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell him all of the drugs that I was using at the time, all kinds of secrets that we've held between each other, everything that I was struggling with at the time, just the journey with God that I've been going through for the last like half a year, you know, and he told me everything and he told me you know the problems that him and my mom were having kind of really really intense um events that happened to him when he was like a young child and stuff like that like horrible things that he thinks a lot of it was stemming from Mm. and another thing is you know he's kind of like me and that he kind of wanted someone to you know he kind of needed someone to be his like rock or be like his almost like boss I guess and that he wanted to be guided and my mom wanted someone to guide and in that way they kind of like worked out through problems by having these needs in each other but in that they kind of created an addiction to each other they no longer was like God the first in their life it was like each other was the first in their life because they had requirements of them they were you know filling a certain hole artificially um like drugs do Mm. um and as soon as my dad goes in you know in this depression and it comes from a lot of different things from this old real intense pain coming from behind and him changing his medication and it affecting him both like mentally and physically in like really bad ways and it made it really hard for him and my mom to connect anymore um it just he was just like giving up and he was telling me like he would text her and just not know what to say and like be afraid of what she has to say. And, you know, they'd been together for 20 plus years Mm. and he was just so afraid, such a scared. And it was, it was really, really, really good. It was one of the, it was the best hike I've ever been on. And he said it was the best trip he's ever taken. And, you know, by the time we reached the top, like we're, like just you know loving each other hugging each other crying and and finding these conclusions and the whole time i'm saying things i would have never thought to say mm. you know all these words are coming from god and i and i i wasn't going to block them like i normally would have yeah like a normal sane person would have <laughs> thought to share all these things with my dad yeah but after this, 
my dad told me that we had we had transferred in our relationship from father and son to brothers in Christ. Mm. And he went and he talked to my mom and had been. And one thing came after the other. And my, now they took the house back off the market. They're living together in that house. They went to Hawaii together and renewed their vows and like have started building projects together and they told me like they're happier than they've ever been mm. um amen yeah <laughs> and I, I it's so powerful to me because it was god's timing god allowed me to even be a instrument in this because you can't tell me that without this i would have been anywhere near capable i'm not you know, I have no ability <laughs> to fix a, my own parents' marriage, you know, let alone anybody's. Yeah. And so this was like such a powerful experience because even if, and I, and I always say this because like when I'm talking to someone who's atheist or something, like this is a legitimate cause and effect. Even if none of this is real, this happened because I follow God. Hmm. Because, you know, you could say it, in secular terms psychologically it prepared me enough for me to understand how to talk to someone on a heart level no matter you know my own anxieties and put me in the right location and prepared me in every single possible step for this to happen at the exact correct time Mm. for me to love my dad exactly how he needed to be loved impossible without a real living god who is personal and loves us yeah that is the most simple explanation and is the right explanation is the only explanation yeah that is the truth god Mm -hmm. cares for us he is a part of this he's a god of reconciliation he's a god of love peace and he desires to be in relationship with us and he desires for us to love each other (laughs) i'm so and that's what i say i'm like this is not something for weak people to feel better about themselves Mm -hmm. What this did was save my dad's life. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing it, you know. You weren't trying to save your dad's I was, life. I, I hadn't thought about it, right? It wasn't even on my radar that they could be having any kind of issue. But it was perfectly timed, right? So that wow. was that was God's power and love, like, working through me to that first. That was, you know, a huge, huge first step to serious reconciliation with my parents. And there's been a couple other to that, but yeah, that's the big one. Are they like in community or anything like that now? And yeah, they have a, they have a church back home in, in at Lake Livingston. Uh, I think it's in cold spring. I've gone with them a couple times, classic old people church, but <laughs> um, I try and talk with them every time you know that i go over there and my dad will text me and just talk about how much he loves me and how proud he is of me wow following god and stuff like that and um so do you feel like interesting conclusion to this like do you feel like a lot of that uh that pressure of like having to perform to be loved and accepted and having to do something in order to receive love is a lot of that fell away in your family dynamic or is there still some of that like what are you you know, what is that conclusion of that? The I would say that, if anything, it's shifted. So mm. that now I see it 
as no longer an opportunity to show my parents to prove something to them, you know, whatever I might be proving. It's now an opportunity to go and love them, mm. you know, love them how they need to be loved. Just a shift of a motive. Because they're, they're broken people as I am, you know, they, and they love me as much as I love them. That's just true. Mm. And whatever kind of, uh, grudges or bitterness that might have been held throughout our lifetimes are secondary and in all honesty irrelevant <laughs> so it's helped a lot just understanding how much more um, fulfilling it is to just want to care for them you know instead of wanting constantly worrying if they're caring about me doesn't matter it's it's upside down it's left it's so incredible how that works when we start to love people unconditionally everything shifts yeah it's like we were talking about last episode this idea of like working on ourselves so much and i i you know i agree to a certain extent we should be mindful about the things we do but ultimately it's the love of God and connecting with him that shifts everything. Mm -hmm. And it can shift the way that we see things and the motives that we have behind it. And just that change of motive, it's like you said before, it's not something we're capable of as humans, really. Yeah. Like it's a supernatural shift. Impossible, in especially to think of on your own. It's like such an impossible concept to be hated and love them. Mm. And not love them for hating you or anything. Just love them, period. Mm. You know, love them because that's what they need. That's, it's, it's not. I mean, it's because, and, and God loves it. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the real, that's it. Exactly. It's because God loves, right? He, he just does. And we are asked to be kind of more like Christ yeah. or little Christ created in his Christians. image. The, the idea is that God loves love. God gave us choice so love can exist. And when we choose it, it's so much more powerful than anything. Correction or <laughs> <laughs> correction, um, you know, admonistering somebody, mm -hmm. trying to teach them, trying to... Or uh, even manipulate or manipulate, control Manipulate, you know, good or bad, there's like unconditional love is the one that works because it's from god it's crazy too because you don't ever see action movies where they're using love <laughs> to like but maybe so actually you do right it's like neo the you know so there's always that love interest or whatever but it's it's usually misplaced right but mm -hmm. uh uh it's crazy that love is the most powerful force in all of existence. Yeah. And it's it's because God nature is that. It is. They say God is love, right? Right. And um yeah, I I I just listened to a sermon that was like um had just listened to a sermon saying that love, right? Why why did he put the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Right. 
and it comes from love love because the person put it he could have created four different worlds a world where you know there was no people it was just him a world where um we could only be good right a world where we where he just like places us around where it's kind of like every personal in personal almost robotic in mm. that like he's we're just being controlled and mm. and in all you know all of these different versions of this world where he 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 put it there knowing we would take it with with choice comes the ability to deny selfishness and choose love right right which is required required for love to exist required for Relations required. Relationship to rec- re- to exist, and he is a relational being by definition. He's mm. the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's already three people in constant relation. He he loves he loves relationship, mm. and so as a relational being, he desires for us to understand love, and and for it to exist, choice has to exist. Mm. And that's what transformed your heart from this one of, I can't connect with people. I have like anxiety when it comes to getting close to someone. Yeah. And, and the closer you're getting to him, the more you're able to connect with other people and it, it receive yeah. the, that love. Cause I'm sure when you first showed up to home group, you were just like part of you, your, your spirit just sang and you're like, this is so right. But part of you, when those people are looking at you, you're like, they see <laughs> yeah. all of my crap. They see <laughs> the, my soul right now. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of that, a lot of that fear um, came to the surface for the purpose of giving it to God. It was me able to finally see it. And so I could uh, give it up. I can't think of the right word. Yeah. Well, and he wants that. Mm-hmm. Surrender, yeah, man, that's an incredible story, bro. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me, big guy. Dude, we didn't even freestyle, but <laughs> next time, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do it again. Next time it'll be freestyling only <laughs> one hour and a half. <laughs> all freestyle <laughs> podcast. Oh, dude, I, you you need to get me a couple more cups of water if we're gonna be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so yeah, again, thank you for coming on and sharing this. I I pray that it touched someone's heart. Maybe uh, just with that incredible credible testimony, you can pray us out and then we can go on with our our night. Heck yeah, man. Is that it? We're just praying and we're good? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm down. Dear Lord, thank you so much for just this community that you have delivered to us, God. And you know, beyond christian community just all of humanity lord you you gave us this so that we could learn relationship we could learn love and we could understand each other god you love it when we when we care for each other and we see you in each other and god yeah we just pray that that we continue to seek you continue to feel the correct direction for our hearts And when we go that direction, 
residing in the love that you bring us into, Lord. Yeah, I just hope tonight's a good night. Love you a lot, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you guys for watching. We have to get to Bible study. Or we would continue talking because I'm so interested in this. So good. Um, yeah, I really, I pray, my prayer is that this touched someone's heart. Yeah. Tonight, I, I truly believe someone needed to hear all of that. <laughs> Hey, I and know I was getting teary-eyed. Heck yeah. yeah it, was, it was great to meet you too, my guy. Y'all have the same last name. <laughs> yeah, my, my long-lost brother over there. Apparently. What if y- y'all need to figure out how, because I mean, you have the same last name, so you're related somewhere, somehow, <laughs> right? Um, it, Thomas yeah. Ward back in 1706. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, man, y'all are both small, so. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, this doesn't seem like the most, I mean, knowing God, very possible. <laughs> I give you that. Well, Jackson, this, this has been awesome, man. I love making music with you. I love talking to you about concepts and things. Um, wasn't expecting this out of the episode. <laughs> I was expecting, you know, us to talk about all these concepts, but I'm so glad that it went in this direction and I know God's going to do something with it. So. Heck yeah, Thanks, yeah, if you ever want me to focus up, just, just no, let me know. <laughs> no, this was fantastic. And you, you could tell us straight from the heart and uh, the Lord was here and a part of it and speaking. And, and, w- and one thing I know, if the Lord wants someone to say something that I'm, I need to get out of the way <laughs> and let him do it. Okay, uh, like you're saying, it's, it's not from us. It's uh, from him. So this is not, this is, the glory goes to to him in all of this. It's like I am always surprised uh, of the like I'm just sitting here listening to you. I'm like, how the heck do I know people that are able to articulate things like this that have these stories? And the answer is the coordination power of God to mm-hmm. orchestrate things in our yeah, lives and put us yeah down those steps the other direction hear me freestyling <laughs> god is so much greater than us like he's his thoughts are so much higher like you know that person that i know is listening to this that needed that that <laughs> we had no idea when we met you know that that it was going to lead to this but i know yeah that's what god wanted it's going to lead to the next thing yeah lead to that person and so like if you're listening to this right now and you don't know god I know most people on here are Christian, but if, if you've been in church and you you just, God wants to know you and there's a way to know him. You just you get in the word, you get in that quiet place. You go find someone that will walk you through your pastor or just someone that you know is filled with the love of God and connect with him because there's no purpose apart from God. We, there, we can find no purpose in this life apart from God. So I would just encourage you just to take a step of faith in that direction. Show mm-hmm. up at a small group or just pick up a Bible and, and just start reading it. Just open yeah. to a random page, literally. Whatever it looks like to you. I, yeah. I usually let the wind choose for me. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, you'd be surprised. The wind speaks, man. <laughs> uh but yeah, guys, thank for thank you for listening. We are going to get going, get over to Josh Hawkins Bible studies. Check out his podcast. It's called the Apocalyptic Gospel. It's on Apple Podcasts, not on YouTube. Um, 
but yeah, thank you guys for watching. If you want to listen to the audio, the links are below. If you want to watch it on YouTube and you're listening on the audio, the links are below. We're on YouTube and we have a group me if you guys want to join in and continue the conversation. So thank you again for watching. Thank you, Jackson, for being yeah, on. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And we will see you guys on Tuesday. Adios. Thank you.